the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Thank you for choosing 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bury Katz and I'm your host for today. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I'll be interviewing Barry Shum. He is a virologist. So just stay tuned to 101.9 Hi FM to learn more. Get ready for a very exciting show on Hi Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bruria Katz, and I'm 12 years old. Good afternoon. Hi, Bruria. Thanks for having me. Oh, such a pleasure. I was so interested when I heard that I was interviewing a virologist. I was really interested. What does a virologist do? Can you tell me? Okay. I'm actually a medical virologist. So in other words, I'm trained as a medical doctor, and then I specialize in the discipline of virology. So what virology does is that it studies viruses. Now, viruses are a kind of a germ which can or cannot, sometimes does, sometimes doesn't, necessarily cause illness. And I think you're very familiar with illnesses such as measles and chickenpox and mumps and German measles or rubella and so on. So those are all illnesses which are caused by viruses. So they are very, very minute uh, organisms uh, or germs. Uh, in fact, so minute that even an ordinary microscope, you can't see them. We have to use a very, very powerful microscope called an electron microscope if you actually want to look at them. So they're very, very, very tiny germs. But uh, some of them, of course, spread very easily like measles. Uh, and many of them, fortunately, we can present with vaccines. And so it's very, very important for children to get vaccinated against those virus illnesses which have got a vaccine and where the vaccine is effective. So can you tell me what is the vaccination? How does like shooting a little liquid into your arm help you right. be uh, like almost immune to that illness? Well, that's 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 a great question. What vaccines are is that we take the actual virus, or in some cases bacteria, or in other words, the germ, and we change it, we modify it, we change it in the laboratory or in, uh, in pharmaceutical manufacturing industries. We change it so that it still can multiply, now we can still can infect, but doesn't cause illness. And when, in other words, that liquid contains the germ in a modified form to make it safe, completely, almost completely safe. But on the other hand, once it gets into the body, it stimulates the immune system. In other words, the system which prevents you, protects you against getting that infection. So that's why sometimes when you get an injected into your arm, it's sore there because your arm is a little bit sick. Sometimes it's a little bit tender there. Uh, because once it gets into the body, there's a little bit of an inflame, inflammation. You know, when you have a wound or something, you get inflammation. It goes red and hot sometimes. It's a similar kind of thing because it's foreign to the body. The body doesn't recognize it as one of its own. And therefore, there's a little bit of inflammation. But that inflammation then stimulates the immune system. That's part of the stimulation. And that stimulation of the immune system is what protects you. Once you get exposed to it at a later stage. It's really interesting. Once my father explained to me that each germ is, has a certain almost pattern, if you can think of it, like a cutout almost. Right. And the immune system has a match for that. But when you get sick, the immune system has to create that match for it. Yeah. So if you, if you get the vaccine injected into your arm, then your immune system already has it ready. Right. So if you get actually sick, 
then it won't last for very long because your immune system has the uh, remedy. Right. It's actually a very, very, it's a very clever system, the immune system. It's part of the body. And it's got two things. One of them has got memory. So it can remember either if you've been infected before, if you've been ill before with that germ, or if you've been vaccinated. So it can remember that it's got memory. And also it's very, very specific. It'll target against that particular germ or virus or bacteria. So when you, some, so once a person either recovered from the illness or been vaccinated, that immune system will then protect you if there's a subsequent you come into contact with that germ. Okay, so I get it. And is a, is a germ or a virus, is it a living thing that's in your body? Well, that's a very, very intriguing question whether a virus is a living thing or <laughs> not. Uh, scientifically, that's a big, big debate. Uh, it's got a lot of properties of being living because it can multiply, and that's how it causes illness, of course. Um, but other than that, it's very, very, very simple. Uh, in other words, it has to get inside your body in order for it to multiply, in order to make copies of itself. So it's very, very extraordinarily simple, very, very small. So it's really on the very borderline of what's living and what's a chemical. It's got some properties of living and some properties of being a chemical. So no one really knows. Well, we do know. It's just a matter of actually defining it. It's really a, a language thing. You know, do you call it living or do you not call it living? But you certainly know a lot, an awful lot about viruses, a tremendous amount about it. Definitely. So as a virologist, is that how you pronounce it? Correct. So do you, is your goal to try and make remedies for it? Is it to study it so you can make medicines for it? What What do you do? Right. We do two things. One of them is that if a patient gets an illness... We've got laboratory tests to say, is it that particular virus? Like a swab? Like a swab or blood. You take uh, a specimen and goes to the laboratory. So that's to diagnose a person's illness. Secondly, we can use that information to make vaccines. Thirdly, we also do research. And fourthly, there's a public health issue. In other words, we want to know, is the population immune? Uh, to a particular ill uh, virus that's going around. Is a virus going around, in fact? We often get asked, you know, when, especially in winter when everybody's getting colds and sniffles and so on, is there influenza or flu going around? So these are part of the job of a virologist in the laboratory. So can you get sick with anything besides a virus? Is all sicknesses viruses? No, 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 not at all. We can divide, broadly speaking, into diseases which are what you call infectious, and those are due to germs. Germs are either bacteria, which are bigger than viruses, or viruses which are smaller, or there are non-infectious illnesses. Uh, That's when they're not contagious. Which are not contagious, correct. Exactly, exactly that. Contagious or infectious. Same 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 word. Yeah, they're synonyms. So if, let's say, I was sick, with something that is contagious. Is flu con- flu's con- contagious, right? Flu is very contagious. Yes. Highly contagious. Very. So if, yeah. I w- if I have flu right now, right? Yeah, yeah. And whatever, I'm talking to you, I'm staying with you, and then you get sick with the flu. Do the, bo- the germs, like, jump from our body onto your body? How Absol- does it work? That's exactly how it works. When you're speaking or coughing or sneezing, you're actually generating little droplets of fluid. Microscopic. You're not even aware of it, in fact. Um, and those droplets get inhaled by somebody else. Now, inside those droplets sit the virus, or sometimes bacteria, and that's how it gets passed on from one person to another person. 
It's very interesting. Or if you, I don't know, drink the same thing or eat the same thing, that's why whenever you're sick, don't eat their food, don't... Right. So, so viruses or... Well, germs can get into the body various ways. What I just mentioned now is by inhaling it. We, 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 um, uh, when you're breathing, uh, you can go through the, what you call respiratory tract. Or alternatively, you can swallow it, you can ingest it. So if, if food is contaminated, for example, or sometimes even mosquitoes, like you've heard of malaria, for example, which is not a virus, but that's also that's transmitted by mosquito bites through the skin. So these are various ways in which uh, they, a germ can get into the body. You can inhale it, you can swallow it, it goes through the skin or mucous membranes. So because of the, I don't know, what do you want to call it, risk of people inhaling your germs, is that what they tell you to, like, cover your nose when you sneeze and cover mm. your mouth when you cough? Absolutely. You've got it spot on with exactly that. Uh, when you cough, you must cough into your arm so you don't spread your germs around. Uh, hand washing is so important. Uh, hand washing hygiene when it comes from the bathroom, for example, especially when handling food. And to wash adequately with soap and water, um, those are all very important preventive hygiene me- uh, measures to prevent illness. That's why when you go into the hospital, they spray you with that anti-germ spray on your hand. Correct, yes. You even now see it in supermarkets, never mind yeah, exactly. in hospitals. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying there's someone standing outside the hospital. Yeah. As you walk in, you get sprayed in your hands. Yeah, because your hands always come into contact with parts of your body, and that's how you can transmit um, these germs to somebody else. So it's, very, it's a hygiene preventive me- me- uh, measure. Yeah, so you definitely can't... I wanted to ask you something about spreading germs. I just can't remember what it was now, but mm. hopefully we'll come back to it later. Right. So can you tell me why virology is so important? Well, it's important because there are so many illnesses which are due to viruses. A large chunk of, of, uh, of human illnesses are infectious, uh, as you said, contagious, uh, and are due to viruses. We talk about influenza. We talk about the common childhood illnesses. We talk about HIV uh, uh, bacteria talk about tuberculosis. Uh, these are just so common, particularly in our country. Um, and the virology is an important part of infectious diseases. So you, without virologists, then there would be no cures. Well, or without research virolog- of it. Well, th- that research is so important. In fact, they they say that other than clean water, uh, vaccines, which are the product of virology research or uh, bacterial research as well, uh, that, that is the greatest public health uh, measure in the last century, vaccines and uh, safe water. Was, Both of them are due to contagious organisms being prevented. I was actually learning about the discovery of vaccinations in history. Right. Yeah. Well, and Edward Jenner. The, 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 uh, something like that. Uh, don't ask me names. Yeah. Is that a name? Well, Edward Jenner developed the very very first human vaccine, in fact, in 1790. That's an awful long time ago. And that was a vaccine against smallpox. Yes. And it took 200 years. To wipe it off the face of the earth. Wipe it off the face of the earth. You see, I do know something. Yeah. So there's no more smallpox. And and because there's no more smallpox, we don't have to vaccinate against smallpox anymore. But they, uh, we actually, I remember reading this, that they do have a... Vaccine ready? Should like a there is a vaccine thing, which is put if we, if we because smallpox killed off a lot of people, right? 
Smallpox, yeah. So they, they have it ready, should an outbreak happen again, and they will start vaccinating Well, again. first one, outbreak is extremely unlikely to happen. Because the actual virus itself only exists in two places on Earth, uh, one in a laboratory in America and one in a laboratory in Russia. And they kept under extremely tight security. So the chances of that escaping are, are extremely remote. But as a precaution, as a precaution, the World Health Organization, which looks after health of, of the world, uh, they've got stockpiles of the vaccine in certain parts of the world, just in case in the extremely remote chance that that virus will escape from the laboratories. But that's very, 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 very unlikely. unlikely. Yeah. So I remember what I wanted to ask you. We were talking about how if you have a if you have a sickness and you cough it out, right. people inhale it. Yes. But if you cough it into your sleeve, let's just say, right. then the germs go into your sleeve. Yeah. So can't it spread through, I don't know, the washing machine or like people who are washing your clothes? No. The reason it can't is that these viruses like influenza, they, they, they're fairly delicate. They don't survive for very long. They will survive from one person to another person. But if it's on an inanimate thing like a sleeve or a table and so on, it won't survive for more than a few hours. Oh, uh, and certainly if it goes in, if, uh, if something goes into a washing machine, it'll, it'll definitely kill the virus off without, a, without any, uh, without immediately. Just don't trap on yourself in washing machines, like get your virus going. Uh, correct, yeah. Ugh. Just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about, you know, do you know Sophie Darcy? No. She's basically a contortionist, right? Yeah. So my sister once said that she should put herself like in the washing machine and then like when her mom comes into the washing, she'll just like open the door and like, cause she can like fold herself up into like a box and fold herself in half oh, and, and she'll you know, be very whatever, clean whatever. when she comes out the washing machine. No, so then, <laughs> so then my sister was saying that she should go in there and give someone a frat. Uh-huh. So I was like, what happens if they start spinning it, you know? <laughs> And she'll be extra, extra clean afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And dizzy. And, and dizzy. <laughs> yeah. With a bit of, you know, soap inside her, not just on the outside. <laughs> most likely. Yeah. And can you tell me what's the difference between a virologist and a doctor? Uh, well, a virologist usually is a doctor. I'm a doctor. Oh, really? <laughs> I was trained you in medicine first. as a doctor? No, I don't. Uh, I was trained as a doctor initially. And then I specialized in, first of all, in pathology, then in microbiology, then in virology. So virology then is a, 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 a subspecialty uh, of microbiology, which is one of the specialties of medicine. So you start off being a medical doctor, and then you become a virologist, medical virologist. So it's almost like you can but become a doctor I mean, and then become an ENT. Yeah, look, there are virologists who are scientists who are not medical, but they're also they're medical virologists who are medically trained. Makes sense. Yeah. It's really interesting. I've really learned about, like, I did not know what a virologist was before this. Let me just tell you. It's not, not one of the most, like, publicized jobs. Look, I say, I say medical virologists. There are also viruses which affect animals. Those are veterinary, veterinary virologists. There are also viruses which affect agriculture. Those are plant virologists. So, virologist just means you study viruses. And viruses infect humans, affect animals, affect plants. It's very interesting. And I can't wait to carry on talking about all of this virology after our song break. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, 4 Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Brewery Katz and I'm 12 years old. If you have any questions for my guest, Dr. Barry Shube, you can send an SMS to 34519 or you can telegram to 061 
0891401019. You can also call us on 010-140-3020 to see if you can say the tongue twister faster than me. Remember it is, new socks, two socks, who socks, Sue socks. Now we're going to carry on with the questions. Before I start with my own questions, I have a few questions from our listeners. One is from Steny Pebetsi. I think I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. She says, would you say, what, would you say we should cover our sneeze with our hands or arm or cloth? Yeah, I think the ideal is, uh, is to cover your, uh, your sneeze in the crook of your arm. In other words, you sneeze into your arm. Uh, rather than into your hand because you, you got, your hand's going to come into contact with somebody else's hand if you're going to shake hands and so on. Um, and certainly not to kind of have your sneeze uncovered com- completely because if it's uncovered, those little droplets of fluid I talked about earlier uh, will remain suspended in the air for a little while and somebody else can breathe them in. And in that way you transmit from one person to another person uh, colds or flu and so on. It's very interesting. We actually did discuss it, but just for random, yeah, it's very, very important because that's one of the main ways that germs are spread. Correct. Absolutely. Definitely. It's certainly like flu and so on, colds. Mm-hmm. Oh, flu is so contagious. Pox, measles. That certain time of the year when everyone is just sneezing and coughing and, coughing yeah. and like droopy eyes and no one's concentrating, you know, just that time. It's part and parcel of winter. Exactly. And we also have another question from one of our listeners. It says, is Ebola a virus or a disease? Ebola is a virus and it causes a very, very serious disease. Uh, fortunately, we don't get it in this country. We haven't had it in this country um, for one or two imported cases some long time ago, but we haven't had it yet. Uh, but it's certainly a major, major problem in Central Africa because it's a serious disease. Uh, and uh, a lot of people, in fact, have died from it. I was just about to ask if it can be fatal. It certainly can be fatal, um, and it, obviously the uh, percentage of people who die from it depends on how good the medical care is. And unfortunately, in parts of Central Africa where it's rife at the moment, the medical care is not so great. But there have been some important cases, even in America, for example. Uh, and there, of course, the, the uh, mortality, the uh, rate of, of death is much, much lower. But it still remains a very serious illness. Can all viruses be fatal if they aren't cured? I mean, if they aren't treated? Even well, no. simple ones, you know? No, 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 no. The great majority of viruses are not fatal. I mean, influenza, for example, most people get colds and flus and very few will, will, will die. It's only the very elderly or people that are already ill from other illnesses who are at risk of dying. <clears throat> but uh, the vast majority uh, of most viruses uh, will recover from them. It's very, yeah, it's good to know. So even even without treatment, your body will eventually yes, without kill treatment, itself. Correct. With with my, with my, many of the virus illnesses, the treatment is really to make a person comfortable, to give them support, uh, see that they've got adequately good, uh, uh, fluid that they, and their bed rest and so on, and then they will recover. And we also have one more question from one of our listeners. It says, how does a virus like HIV turn into a disease? Well, HIV is a virus which uh, infects particularly the immune, the immune system. And it is that immune system which is the very system which we need to protect against other infections. So what HIV virus does, it infects the immune system 
And in that way it weakens the immune system And eventually, in fact, it destroys the immune system. And that makes the person vulnerable to all kinds of infections. So then they they could die from the flu? Then they could die from flu, but they could die from uh, other bacterial infections and usually things like tuberculosis and so on. They're very vulnerable to that more than the flu. But But the principle is that the virus gets into the immune system itself. So it's a, it's a, it's a rather nasty, nasty virus because the immune system is really what you need to protect yourself against all kinds of infections. Can your immune system grow back? It can recover. Uh, in fact, uh, there are now uh, drugs which we can use to treat HIV. Uh, and in, in this effective treatment, the immune system can recover to a, to a large extent, yes. Good. <laughs> it obviously depends. Yeah, definitely. You know, if the if, the, uh, if there's a really large scale, if the if the uh, disease is caught HIV talk, or AIDS, is, is caught too late, uh, and the immune system is so badly affected, then of course it can't recover. But in the earlier stages, on treatment, it usually does recover. So that's good. But in that time where your immune system is down, you have to be very careful. Correct. That's that's where someone is very vulnerable and very susceptible to all kinds of infections. Uh, things which are things like tuberculosis is the main one in this country, for example. But not only that, there are many other infections which we, we call them opportunistic. In other words, those infections a normal individual with a normal immune system can cope with. But if the immune system is depressed because of the HIV infection, then they can't cope with it. And then it takes the body, it takes over the body. It's very scary. HIV is a scary illness, and uh, this is why we try our best to prevent people getting infected with HIV. And there's a lot of research going on to develop a vaccine. Unfortunately, we don't have a vaccine as yet. It's a very, very crafty virus, a very difficult virus to actually develop a vaccine against. But there's a tremendous amount of research, even here in Johannesburg and now at the Institute, to contribute in knowledge to develop a vaccine. It's very good. It's very interesting. Mm, it is. And thank you so much to those listeners who sent in questions. I love to hear from my listeners all the time. So if you are listening right now, then send a message, an SMS to 34519. Or you can also telegram to 061-895-1019. And you can even call us on 010-140-3020 to ask your questions. So... Please, I love to hear your questions, and it's very, very interesting. So, what do you, what would you say is the most common virus? Well, I guess the most common virus uh, is the common cold. That's a virus which I think everybody gets a common cold. Everybody, more no, than once. No, no individual uh, does not get the common cold. That's the one. There's a similar virus which affects the... Uh, the gut and, and give you a upset tummy. It's called norovirus, and that we actually, as virologists, we dub it the common cold of the gut. That's also very, very common. Most, most, well, all individuals will at some time or other in the li- in the uh, li- in lifetime get infected with that particular virus. These are very ubiquitous or very common viruses. Um, but also, other viruses are also common. Even measles is common in uh, in some parts of the world. Uh, chicken pox, but, but these viruses we in fact have got vaccines against and these vaccines are very effective and in the, in the developed world in fact measles has been reduced tremendously 
Unfortunately, it is coming back to a certain extent because people are reluctant to vaccinate. How come? Because of the expense? No, I, I, it's not the expense. I think there are various reasons. Uh, people uh, have a bit of suspicion about medicine, unfortunately. They've got a bit of suspicion about vaccines. Um, I think it's misinformation. Uh, it's incorrect. In some, in some communities, there are religious objections. Uh, the fundamentalist Christian groups, for example, have religious objections against vaccination. Uh, but uh, most people, of course, are sensible. Most people uh, realize that there's a lot of science that's gone behind vaccines, that vaccines are very, very safe, very effective, and they protect against diseases which are nasty. So should everyone go and get a vaccination against measles? All kids should get a vaccination against measles. Uh, there are a few uh, exceptions where there are medi- for medical reasons. Uh, children that unfortunately got certain medical illnesses uh, which where they, where they can't be vaccinated. But that's a very, very tiny minority. Other than that, all kids should be immunized. It's and irresponsible I, not to. Definitely. And I know like I get vaccinated for flu probably every year. So why doesn't the vaccination almost last? Well, flu is a very, very crafty virus. It keeps changing itself. And uh, you remember I said earlier on that the vaccines are very, very specific. They'll target not only a particular organism, but what the actual protein structure, the outer structure. And the problem with flu is that it keeps on changing this, this protein structure. And no, and no sooner do we design a vaccine against a particular strain of influenza virus, then it's, it's changed. Uh, oh, and I that's see. why every year we have to have a vaccine which matches. We try and keep up with the changes of the, of the virus every year. Now I get it. Yeah. I, I was wondering because it's weird. You yeah. don't get, I don't know, vaccinated for, let's say, chicken pox every year. That's exactly right because that, doesn't, that hasn't got the same property that influenza has, that the flu has, the flu virus has. Measles and polio and chicken pox and all those uh, don't change. And therefore, the vaccine is very effective for many, many years. So you don't have to get vaccinated for a very long time? No, no. If you, if you vaccinate as a child, you're protected for many years afterwards. And something like anti-tet, that's, yeah. that's not really against the virus, more against infection, right? Uh, well, tetanus is a bacterium. It's in other words, ba- oh, okay, fine. You remember I said earlier, germs, there are viruses which are very, very small. Bacteria are a little bit larger. Uh, also, they can only see it under a microscope, bacteria. Uh, and tetanus is, a, is one of the bacteria, and there's a vaccine against it as well. Yeah, okay, I get it. And something, let's say, let's say anti-tet, you have to also get vaccinated for, say, every four years or whatever. Every five so does, years, does yeah. it also Does it also change? No, like, no, like no, no. Flu is just, uh, well, HIV is the other virus that keeps on changing. And influenza particularly. Uh, other than that, the viruses don't have that property, no. It's just that the, uh, the stimulation of the vaccine doesn't last forever. After a while, it starts tailing off and decaying. And that's why you have to have what you call a booster to boost that immune oh, system. Okay, I understand. And I'm also going to read some questions from our guests now. So we have a very, very interactive listener. Her name is Senna. Betsy, and she sent another question. She said, can you get a virus from a bug or an insect? Yes. Uh, insects do carry some viruses. 
Um, I mentioned malaria, which is not a virus. That's actually a, a, another kind of germ. Uh, but there are certainly viruses which are transmitted by insects. Um, yellow fever is one, for example. Uh, and then there are a whole lot which are uh, not so important because they don't cause serious illness. But we do get it in this country. They go by names such as Sinbus and West Nile. That's a weird name. They're weird <laughs> names, yeah. They're named after places in Africa where they were first discovered. Uh, um, but, yeah. I don't know so, if those were places in so Africa. The, uh, the <laughs> oh, Chikungunya, that's a, that's another, a lovely one. So, shows you how good my geography is. Yeah. But, uh, in, in the main, uh, insects are not that important in this part of the world and where we are now in terms of transmitting viruses. The big one, of course, of insect transmitting is malaria. That's the big one. But that's not a virus. What is that? It's a, scientifically you call it a protozoan. It's saying, Ugh, which is no, it's a fancy little, words. Well, you know, we, we, we said there are viruses, we said there are bacteria. These are all different kinds of germs. So it is a kind of a germ which is not, not a virus, not a bacteria, it's another kind of germ. Oh, so many t- kinds, I can't keep up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also going to read another message from one of our listeners. It says, Hi, Gabriella. Sorry. Hi, Brewery. Gabriella. You are so unbelievably amazing. Talking about vaccines just before the social science. Okay. Basically, we're running exams at the moment. Right. And we have a social science exam tomorrow. This is me. This is my friend in school. In great. Yeah. So, uh, we, we're learning about vaccinations in social science. So right. I'm learning a lot for my social science exam tomorrow. Thank okay, you. Well, I hope it helps. I'm sure it will. We, a lot of the things that you mentioned, like polio, malaria, we're also learning about, you know, because it's history. So, um, you know, how vaccine, vaccinations were invented and whatever, whatever, whatever. That's part of history, which is part of social science. Well, let let me just say that um, we spoke earlier about smallpox and that smallpox has been eradicated from the, from the planet. We don't have smallpox anymore because of vaccination. Because of vaccination. Now, polio, we almost have eradicated completely. Not quite there. There's a little bit uh, in, in West Africa, a little bit in, uh, in uh, Pakistan and Bang- in Afghanistan. But we almost globally throughout the world have eliminated polio. Uh, it's just this last little bit we, we're still not there. So, so it's and also just due to the vaccine. Due to the vaccine. Wow. So it's almost wiped off the face of the earth. Polio is almost wiped with like smallpox. Like smallpox. Oh, that's great. And hopefully we'll get there very soon in the next couple of years. That's great. Yeah, it is great news. And then after that, we can tackle measles. That's the next one. Whew, never ends. Yeah. Never ending list. Yeah. So we have another message from Gabriella, my friend. And she said, you have to say the weirdest surname. I have absolutely no idea what that means. So if you could tell me, I would really appreciate it. But I have absolutely no idea. Anyways... Thank you so much, Barry. I've learned so much about your job. It sounds really interesting. I'm telling you, every week I get a new, different idea for like a job, career, you know, like a career for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And everyone just sounds better than the next. Okay. So, you know. Well, I'm glad it was very interesting. <laughs> it was very interesting. And also, after the, the show, after the show, what I'm talking about. And thank you so much to my guest, Barry Shoot, for coming on my show. I learned so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, DJ Flo, for pushing the big red buttons. And Senna, my producer, join us tomorrow for another Kha Kids show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. This has been Kha Kids, 4Kids, 
Bye, kids.